0: We are uh, starting a brand new series this morning. We've finished up uh, several weeks of the book of Genesis and so we're we're going to jump into it. This is a four-week uh, series and we're calling it Jesus Lord of your personality uh, today from griping to grateful. A few weeks ago during our, our series on Genesis <clears throat> we talked about the the relationship between twin brothers Jacob and Esau Uh Esau was, as you remember, uh, he was uh, an outdoorsman who loved to hunt and fish and sleep under the stars. Uh, Jacob was more of a homebody. He loved to stay around the house and cook, and there's nothing wrong with either one of those personalities. Um, Esau, though, seemed to struggle with acting on impulse and controlling his temper. Uh, Those personality traits Uh, uncontrolled got him in a lot of trouble uh sometimes it uh, almost led to him murdering his brother uh well obviously murder is wrong no matter what uh even if your brother does steal your birthright and your father's blessing struggling with your temper is no excuse for killing your brother it's just it's just no excuse for it um One of the take-home challenges from that message was that we should never let our personalities be an excuse to make sinful choices. Uh, In fact, no matter our personalities, we should always allow the Holy Spirit to help us make godly choices. We should never just resolve and say, well, that's just the way I am. I can't help it. No, you can help it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can Um, we basically left it there that Sunday with sort of a general challenge uh, as followers of Jesus to let the Holy Spirit help us control our personalities. Today we're, going to, we're starting a new series that's going to take that, that lesson to the next level. Uh, we're going to talk about the specific per, some, some specific personality traits that many of us might struggle with uh, and, and how Jesus and the Holy Spirit can help us take control and make wise choices in the way we react. Uh, we're going to see that no matter who we are, we can let Jesus be the Lord of our personalities. I recently read a book written by Bob Russell, uh, who was a longtime minister of Southeast, South, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, one of the largest uh, churches in the world, in our country, for sure. Um, uh, The book was entitled, Jesus, Lord of Your Personalities. Um, And and in his book, Bob outlines several ways that we can uh, make Jesus not only the Savior of our soul, uh, but the Lord, the ruler of our lives, uh, including our personalities. Uh, During this series, we're going to consider some of the lessons that he shows us from, from Scripture, that can help us make Jesus our Lord, indeed the Lord of our personalities. Now, the first lesson is a challenge to let Jesus change us from griping to grateful. From griping to grateful. You know, I don't know about you, but but I, I, I'll take grateful over griping every time. Every time. <laughs> you know, most of us enjoy doing things for people, don't we? Uh, we enjoy meeting a need. We enjoy lifting people up who are down. While hopefully we, we don't do those things just so we can receive gratitude from the person that we helped. You know, we, we, still, uh, we, st- we still do that, but, but we still enjoy it when someone just says, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, when someone acknowledges our efforts with a simple, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Even something simple like letting someone pass in front of you when you're driving through the grocery store parking lot. You know, you stop and you let them go in front of you. You know, we like to get the hand wave, right? Or the, or the head nod, or the... We, we like that. Um, we're glad to do things for people. But it makes it even better when the person that we helps is grateful. It's grateful. Uh, What we don't enjoy is complaining. Is is there anyone here who has ever said, ever said this, I just love going over to visit so-and-so because all they do the whole time we're there is complain. I just love that. (laughs) No, no one has ever said that. No normal person has ever said that. No one likes complaining, do they? And God is the same way. God is the same way. God loves to bless us, and and he does so with, with abundance. He's very glad to bless us, but he loves it when we're grateful for what he does for us. And at the same time, God hates it when rather than being grateful, we grumble and complain. We're going to see from Scripture how much he hates that. One day, Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem And he encountered 10 lepers along the way. Let's read from Luke chapter 17, uh, beginning with verse 11 through 13. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 and following. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, much like cancer today, one of the most dreaded diseases of the first century was leprosy. Now, leprosy was a terminal disease that slowly ate away at a person's nerve endings. Uh, Lepers often lost their extremities. They lost their their fingers and their toes and, and their nose and their ears. Uh, The victim becomes disfigured and, and frankly, repulsive in their appearance. Unlike cancer, leprosy was contagious. You could catch it from someone. So victims were usually quarantined in leper colonies. Uh, and, And if they ever did venture out, they had to cry out as they walked along, unclean, unclean, so people could avoid them. Well, 10 lepers from a leper colony likely had heard about Jesus, and that he had been healing people of all kinds of sicknesses. Now, now, while leprosy can be successfully treated today and, and cured today, there was no treatment for it in the first century. So it was a sure, painful, and slow death, death sentence. The, 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 the possibility that this terrible disease could somehow miraculously be cured Uh, You can imagine how wonderful that might have been to these ten men. Uh, You would gladly risk all the dirty looks you could get uh, from people as you're walking down the road to try to go find Jesus if there was just a chance that you could be cured. So when they saw Jesus, they called out to him, Have mercy, have pity on us, have pity on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, in the Jewish religion, in the law, if you ever found that you were unclean for some reason, there was many ways that you could be unclean. Um, one of the ways was, was being sick in some way. Um, uh, when you got better, you were supposed to go to the, the Jewish priest and he would pronounce you clean. He would do say, have some kind of ceremony and pronounce you clean. And then you could go back into society. Um, And so Jesus is telling them, all right, you're clean. In fact, as they're leaving, they're cleansed. You know, all the extremities are back. The nose is back. The ears are back. The fingers are back. Um, They're cleansed. Go to the priest, and then he'll approve you to go back in society. All right, so that's that's where he told them to go. These 10 men receive something that no one could ever hope to receive during normal circumstances at this time they were completely cured of a terminal disease. Now imagine the joy, imagine the happiness that they must have felt uh, at that time. Not only would they no longer have to suffer from this physical sickness, this physical pain of this d- this terrible disease, but they would no longer have to live in the leper colony anymore. Uh, they could return to th- their homes to to live with their families and and their loved ones, their wives, their children. No longer would they be rejected and shunned by the people around them. No longer would they have to shout out, unclean, unclean. That feeling that they must have felt when they looked down and they saw their bodies whole again must have been overwhelming. I can't imagine how they felt. Now with that, this unimaginable blessing given to them by Jesus... What was their response to that? Well, let's look. Verse 15 and 16. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. One of the ten men came back to give thanks to Jesus for what he had received, this miracle he had received from him. So how did Jesus feel about that and the other nine? Let's look at verse 17 and 18. Jesus said, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, Jesus was very pleased with the one man who came back to thank him. Um, and he was a Samaritan. You know, he was a member of a race of people uh, that, during that time, the Jewish people despised and hated. And it was a mutual feeling the other way, too. So, Yet this Samaritan came back to thank this Jewish teacher who had healed him. Jesus blessed him and sent him on his way. But Jesus was not at all pleased with the other nine. Where were they? Where are the others? He asked now, likely they were Jews, men who had been raised to worship God according to the law, yet they did not return to thank this Jewish man who had healed, him, healed them. Now, Jesus did not heal them on condition that they would thank him. That wasn't a part of the deal. They were still healed, it says. They were made clean. But their expressed gratitude would have been welcomed, and desired by Jesus. Just as you and I welcome gratitude when we ever reach out and meet a need for someone in our life. Why didn't they come back to thank Jesus? Why didn't they come show their appreciation for this life-changing, life-saving miracle? Why? You know, in his book, Bob Russell said that um, he when he thought about these nine that didn't come back, he said, I had an imaginary conversation with each of the nine, and I asked them, why didn't you come back and thank Jesus? And so here are some of the the answers that he thought maybe some of them would have given. One was, well, I went to show myself to the priest like Jesus said to. I didn't want to disobey the orders. A legalist, right? Legalists aren't usually grateful people. They're too busy following the rules to be grateful. Another one might have said, well, I immediately went to see my family. I hadn't seen them for years. I went to hug my wife and my daughter and my son. And by the time I thought about it, well, Jesus was gone. Another might have said, well, of course I'm grateful, but I didn't know he expected me to come back and thank him. Or one might have said, yeah, I'm healed. I mean, that's nice and all, but he could have made me younger i mean you know like before i had leprosy another might have said well i'm going to thank him i'm going to i i, I just hadn't gotten around to it yet i've been busy you know getting my life back together from from my from my healing one might have said I'm thankful, but I'm afraid to go back and thank him and talk to him. I've heard that he's pretty demanding about committing your life to him. I I don't, I don't think I'm ready to commit my life to him yet. I'll take the blessing, but I'm not ready to give the commitment. And then one might have said, yeah, I got better, but was it really Jesus that did it? Or was it those herbs I've been taking lately? You know, there's all kinds of reasons, and you and I could probably uh, come up with some other reasons why we fail to give thanks to God and to others, and more easily just resort to what our flesh tends to do, and that is to just think of ourselves, to just think of ourselves rather than the person that reached out to us, and, and or become a complainer instead. So what is your excuse? Uh, for failing to be thankful, what is my excuse for failing to be thankful sometimes let 's take a look at, at some excuses that that might be uh, a possibility and see if any of these fit. One of them might be this: a privileged upbringing Now, when I say privileged i don 't mean wealthy, but just were you a spoiled, rotten kid. <laughs> Uh, many people uh, have been so pampered as a child that they develop unrealistic expectations about life that they're supposed to win all the time. What do we do today in sports? We give everybody a trophy. We don't award the champions for, for winning. We just give everybody a trophy. You're all winners. They think that life is supposed to be free from all pain and disappointment. So when life... Is less than perfect, and it always is. They focus on the negative, miss the positive. No matter how nice something is, you know they always see what's wrong with it. Yeah, I, my F one hundred and fifty is a nice truck, but boy, it sure would be better if I had an F two hundred and fifty. Our vacation it was it was okay, I guess, but it sure was hot. These free tickets to the. Carolina Hurricanes game were good, but it sure would have been nicer to have been closer. I could hardly read the names on the back of their jersey. A privileged upbringing. Maybe could be one reason we're less grateful and more grumpy. How about an affluent experience that we've had? Have you ever had the taste of the good life and now anything less just doesn't measure up? You know, you, you had box seats at the Hurricanes game, and now you just can't enjoy sitting down there with the little people. Not after that. You've been to Disney, now King's Dominion just seems like a dump. Can't enjoy that. Not after Disney. Bob Russell writes Generally speaking, the more we have, the less grateful we are. And I think that's true. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord. It's simply difficult for you and me as humans to not complain, even as our abundance grows more and more. We still tend to complain. Isn't that weird? Thirdly, another reason why we might lack gratitude is negative companions. (laughs) You know, are all your friends grumpy? Uh, Misery tends to love company, right? So complainers tend to hang with each other, uh, mostly because no one else wants to hang with them. (laughs) Proverbs 11 or 1320 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The people we hang around affects who we are. Uh, The people we hang with have great influence on how we react to life. It's amazing to see how one or two complainers can bring a whole group of people down. They can be up and then the complainers come in and everybody comes down. You know, a small group can turn into a gripe session instead of a Bible study. Uh, A a ministry meeting can be turned into a focus on all that's wrong and ignore the things that are right. A a simple coffee with a friend can become an, an exercise in gossip about what's wrong with somebody rather than just a friendly discussion of life. Do the people you hang out with constantly bring you down with negative talk and even lead you to do the same thing. 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And fourthly, frequent comparisons can keep us from being gracious. Frequent comparisons. Are you constantly comparing your circumstances to somebody else? Uh, you know, their kids are so much better behaved than mine. Why can't you be more like them? You know, her husband's so so much more romantic than mine is. Why can't you be more like him? <laughs> Their house has a nicer backyard. Their church has a better preacher. I, I use that one a lot. Um, his salary is, is much higher than mine. They've got three vehicles. I've only got two. If you compare your circumstances with others who have it better, you will be thankless and unhappy because no matter what you have, there will always be somebody who has more. That's a a, a battle you can never win. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Paul writes, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. It's not wise to to compare. So maybe one of those fit. Maybe maybe it's another reason why you're you you tend to not be gracious sometimes. So what can we do to overcome complaining and be more grateful? The truth is gratitude is a key to being happy. Yeah, let me ask you a question. On a scale from one to ten, one being very unhappy, t- ten being ver- the most happy, how happy would you say you are right now? Uh, don't don't shout it out loud or anything, but just think about it. From a scale from one to ten, how happy would you say that you are right now? Uh, may- maybe because of some circumstances in your life right now, you might say, "Well, you know, not not very. I'm a two or a 3. Um, or or maybe you're you're pretty happy right now, and maybe you're. Well, I'm a six or a seven. You know, it's pretty good, pretty good. Uh, but you'd have to admit, if you just had a, a few more things, if your circumstances were just a little better, if you had a little bit more money, maybe a nicer house, maybe a better job, um, maybe you could bump that up to an eight or a nine. Now, you, you would never say ten because, you know, that would be perfect. But, you know, if, we just had a, if your circumstances were a little bit different, maybe you could be an eight or a nine in happiness. How do we often measure uh, happiness? By our circumstances. By our circumstances. If our circumstances are good, we're happier. Maybe we complain a little less. If our circumstances are bad, uh, maybe we're less, hap- less happy. Maybe we complain more. You know, we just studied the, the story of Joseph and his brothers. We ended it up last week in our series on Genesis. Um, and there at the end of Genesis, we see Joseph messing messing with his brothers uh uh, uh there the, the, there he, they sold him into slavery as you remember uh, yet he was ready ready and he was willing to forgive them and he did eventually yet before he did that before he let them know who he was because they didn't even know who he was he he messed with them he he accused them of stealing from him um he accused them of being spies he threatened their lives with false accusations. They were afraid for their lives and for their freedom. They were miserable during that time. Now they weren't afraid before. They weren't miserable before. Yet when their circumstances changed, suddenly their happiness changed big time. But then Joseph revealed who he was and that Everything was okay, and he was not holding a grudge against them, and he had forgiven them. No need to fear. Everything's all right. And suddenly, boom, just like that, um, they're happy again. (laughs) Boom. They're grateful for Joseph's forgiveness. They're not going to die after all. In reality, did their circumstance change? Really? Not really. They just thought that it did. Their happiness came not because their circumstances changed, but because their attitude had changed from fear to gratitude. So how can we develop a new attitude of gratitude? Well, We don't have to go through what Joseph's brothers went through uh, to be grateful for what we have. Jesus is ready to help us change the way we think to transform us from being a grumbler to a person of gratitude. So, what are some ways that Jesus can do that? What are are some ways that the Holy Spirit can help us go from grumbling to grateful? Well, first, acknowledge that everything you have is God's, not yours. Acknowledge that everything you have is God's, not yours. Uh, Nothing you and I have is ours. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including everything that we possess, the world and all who live in it, everything belongs to God. He created it and it's his. You know, you and I don't own anything. God loans us what we have for the short little time that we live here on earth. We're stewards of it. And and if we can understand and acknowledge that, that can help us appreciate the things that God has loaned us uh, as we're here on on this earth. We don't own anything, and and I can prove it. I can prove it. No matter what you possess in your life right now, think through all your possessions, the money you have, the, the real estate, the houses, the vehicles, no matter what you have, you know what, the moment you and I die, the very moment you and I die, all of that stuff instantly becomes the property of somebody else it's no longer ours you and i we were the stewards of it just for a short time but when our lives ends we leave it we leave it all behind and someone else becomes the steward of it then for a short time while they're alive we don't own anything god gives us the privilege of living in his world for a little while and and enjoying the benefits uh, that he gives us In, in fact as Christians God adopts us as sons and daughters we're his children and then he allows us to live on his estate for a little while and then at some point we move into the big house with him for eternity leaving his estate for someone else James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. If we can change our attitude about how what we have and how we think about what we have and acknowledge that, you know what? Everything I have, it all belongs to you, God. It's yours. Then we can move more to be grateful for what God has given us. Another, another way that that Jesus can help us be Lord of our personality and be more grateful is visit with the less fortunate and minister to them. You know, the problem with complainers often is that they're, they're so often comparing themselves to those who have more than them. You know, if we compare ourselves to those who have less than we do, we will naturally appreciate what we have more and develop a heart to help those who have less than we do. You know, I tell you what, if you want a good dose of gratitude, go on a short term mission trip. Raise your hand if you've been on a short term mission trip before. Got got several of you here. Um, uh, yeah, I, back in 2008, I was blessed to, to be able to, to go to Ghana and Togo, West Africa, to visit and work with our missionaries that serve over there the Hostitors and Hammer. We had a great a uh, couple of weeks, uh, Steve Haggerty led the group, and and uh, and we just had a great week of, of ministering and working with the the things that were going on there. Uh, and it was it was one of the things that struck us all, and, and I'm sure you too, if, if you went to a country like that, just just how poor people are in countries like that. You know, their lifestyles there would would make the poorest of Americans feel pretty well off today. Um, considering what what Americans have compared to many people in the world, and then it was amazing how special it was when we got home <laughs> and We could travel on highways that didn 't have big potholes every mile that you had to go around. Uh, we could enjoy air conditioning and, and hot water for bathing that was that was special. Look for opportunities to reach out to someone who has less than you so that you can bless them with what you have and you will come to know how wonderful and blessed you are and you can feel more grateful and more generous. A third way that, that Jesus can help us be Lord of our personality be more grateful, avoid, and we talked about it a little bit already, avoid grumblers and complainers as much as you can. <laughs> You know, God doesn't like complaining. You know, the, the Israelites were given for free without really having to work for it. For free, every day for 40 years, plenty of food to eat. Um, when they were in the wilderness during their 40-year uh, wandering, God fed them every day for free. <laughs> now, it was the same thing every day, uh, granted, But you know what? If God had not fed them for free, they would have starved because there's no way to provide food for millions of people uh, uh, for a group that large out in the wilderness. Uh, So God sustained them with this free food, this manna it was called. Yet the people regularly complained about it. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 10, and then verse 33 This is the account of their complaining. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. It was about the food. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. Then verse 33, But while the meat was still between their teeth, this meat that they were complaining about and wailing about, and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. All right? Now, that's how God felt about their complaining. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when Paul is speaking about these same Israelites, uh, he lists four things that they should, the Israelites should avoid and Christians should avoid. Adultery, idol worship, testing God, and grumbling. All of those are listed together in the same tier of sin. Idol worship, adultery, testing God, and Grumbling. You know, one way to avoid grumbling is to avoid grumblers. The truth is some people excel at it. That's what they do. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we should love them. We should care for them. We should encourage them. But don't let their their grumbling lead you to be a grumbling because that can happen. Which leads me to this question. Have you developed a habit of complaining? or grumbling. If so, understand understand that it is an offense to God to be a grumbler. It's right up there with adultery and idol worship. Number four, another, so avoid grumblers whenever you can. Uh, A fourth way that we can uh, let Jesus be the Lord of our personality and be more grateful is to be accountable to someone. You know, maybe you are a complainer and you don't really realize it. You know, you're in such a, it's, it's just a habit for you. That's just what automatic that's, that's your default to grumble, to grumble, to complain. You know, and you don't even know it. So here, here's, a, here's an exercise for all of us, for all of us. Later, not now. Don't look at each other right now. <laughs> but later, ask a family member, your spouse or someone you love, someone that loves you, ask them, am I a complainer? Am I a grumbler? Now here's what you got to do, though. It won't work unless you do this. You've got to give them permission to be honest without fear of retribution. Okay? You've got to allow them to be honest and and not fear that you're going to attack them. And you can do it for each other, back and forth. Because if if they're afraid that you're going to attack them, they're not going to be honest. <laughs> uh, so give them permission to be honest without retaliation. Now, if you know that you are a complainer, and maybe some of you know that, or you lean towards being a complainer, ask this same person to help you cure your habit. Or if you discover through your conversation, you know, I, I just discovered I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grumbler. Work together to cure this habit because it's just a habit that you're in um maybe you could give them a nudge Uh, or a light nudge or or a wink or you know that look (laughs) Um, or maybe you could talk about it later after you know you know at the uh the thing today you were a little hard on that that issue in complaining and talk about it and again allow each other to be honest without fear of retaliation um, uh, again, you can help each other because probably all of us are guilty of complaining at time, and God doesn't like complaining. A fifth re- way that we can be more grateful and allow Jesus to help us do that is to get in the habit of just expressing thanks all the time. First um, Thessalonians five eighteen: Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You start saying thank you for everything, big and small. Uh, give thanks for your paycheck when you get that, uh, for your stimulus check when you get that. Uh, give, give thanks for the rain. Uh, give thanks for a good doctor's report. Give thanks for finding your keys. <laughs> uh, give thanks for air conditioning and hot water. Give thanks for your car, for your shoes. There's a lot of people in this world that don't have shoes. Now, this morning when I got to the office, uh, I went to print my sermon off, and and there's always this moment when you hit print. You're waiting for the printer to start printing. You know that feeling? you know? And, and our printer is wireless, so everything's got to work just right. Uh, so it's always like click, and then you hear it, you know, and it starts printing. And And when it did that this morning, I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, give thanks for everything um, because uh, we need to, to give thanks at all times for everything. Get in the habit of doing that. And finally, how can we be more gracious and how can God help us do that? Well, let's enjoy God's rich blessings. Just enjoy God's rich blessing. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6:17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, I I like the way Bob Russell put it. Riches won't save you. So put your hope in God. Give away a good portion of what you have and then enjoy the rest. Because that is why God provided it. Enjoy what you have, Don't complain about what you don't have. Enjoy it and we won't complain. Now maybe you have a personality that tends to be gloomy and that often and, and, and you often whine and complain. a personality that leans towards that. Maybe all of us. Are tempted to do that at times understand let's understand god hates it when we complain uh, and when we fail to be gracious to him so let's allow him to be the lord of our lives the lord of our personalities and turn griping into gratitude let's pray father i thank you so much for um i thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for all you do for us for our many, many blessings, for our incomes, for our jobs, for our retirement, for our uh, our families, for our loved ones, for the sunshine, uh, for this building that keeps us warm and cool, uh, that protects us from the elements, for this church family, for friends, Lord, we could just go on and on and on and on. For healing, for for uh, for sustenance, sustenance for just, we could go on forever thanking you for the many blessings that we have. Uh, and most of all, Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to be reminded and to remind each other that you don't like complaining. Uh, we are so blessed. What have we got to complain about, really? Uh, Lord, we can ask for help when times get tough, but let's not fall into that habit of 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 griping and grumbling and complaining but giving you thanks for all that you've blessed us with thank you for jesus help us to make him lord of our lives lord of our personalities we ask all this in jesus name amen